Welcome to another episode of the Vineyard Nordic podcast. The Vineyard Nordic podcast is the best way to stay up to date with the latest news and inspiring stories relating to how God is at work in the Vineyard Nordic community. When we get together to make room for God's calling, to make room for God's voice to speak, that's a hope in the time to come in the coming season. And I believe that out of that, many of us will be challenged to step into new adventures, to take risks. Some would step into leadership and maybe even give up the work we used to do in order to serve him with all of your time. And I hope and believe that God will call some to plant churches in new areas. So that is really what I hope for. Today, I have the honor of speaking to Fleming Mölhede. Fleming is married to Anna and together they have five kids and a dog called Joey. Together they planted Copenhagen Vineyard in 1997 and been serving there as lead pastors ever since. They also serve as the leaders for the Vineyard Nordic movement from 2015. In this episode we're talking with Fleming about his life story, how he in a young age got the calling to serve God and later on to plant churches in Denmark. We also hear about the story of Copenhagen Vineyard, how that led him to also today lead the Vineyard Nordic movement. In speaking of Vineyard Nordic movement, we hear about the vision and the dreams, what we have seen for the last couple of years and what his dreams are for the future. So please follow us this episode and I hope it will inspire you all. Welcome Fleming to this podcast. So good having you here. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing quite well. Thank you. Really good to have you here. And uh, I mean, you're part of the one of the first episodes in this podcast. And uh, it's really good to have you here as the leader of the Vineyard Nordic. I'm super excited to hear about your life story, but also what you see in the Nordic, what we have seen in the movement so far and what you're dreaming of in the future. But before we go into that, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're doing currently. Um. I'm 55, married to Anna. We have five children and uh, we live 50 minutes outside Copenhagen. Um, we, uh, we serve Copenhagen as uh, I'm, I'm, I as a pastor and, uh, and I do that part-time and then I work with, uh, I serve in the Nordic part-time and that's basically it. What do you like to do when you have some time off? Uh, we we love to take our mountain bikes and uh, go out for a trip, walks, uh, do something, you know, being a bit of a handyman once in a while. I like to have a few projects. It's it's quite therapeutic to, to do something with your hands. So I love that. And then, of course, family and friends means a lot. Yeah. I also heard from someone when I tried to dig down in your past a little bit that I I heard you have also a dog called Joey uh, and it's Anna's best friend but you you like the dog or how's your relation to the dog well that's one of the questions I've had do you need to love your dog and by <laughs> the way it it reminds it has a resemblance of a dog I'm not totally sure if it is a dog it's a puck <laughs> uh, yeah so we have quite a tense relationship uh, on and off, uh, but it uh, I can I can tell you, Jon, it's still it's still alive. It's still alive. Okay, that's a good sign then. <laughs> yeah. So um, I also want to ask you some quick questions for you to answer. So, what is the latest Netflix or maybe some other streaming platform series that you have watched? 
The latest uh, has been actually uh, Anna said, "Shouldn't we watch the Marvel uh, superhero uh, movies?" So uh, we have seen them already, but yes, let's do it. So the latest one was on Disney Plus, and it was Iron Man, who is my favorite yeah. superhero figure. What's the f- number one or all three of them you watched? Uh, we only see number one. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best one. I really like that one. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is your definition of leadership? Basically, it is to serve and give your life up for Jesus and being led by him in order to serve in the grace and capacity he gives you. That's good. And what is the worst job you have ever had? And why was that? The worst job I've ever had was, <laughs> at a, I guess that was on a factory. I was, uh, it was a, a wood factory where I had to uh, put together, uh, I can't remember what's it's in the name of it, but some, um, some platforms and uh, I had to do a certain uh, number every day or I would be fired. So it wasn't too encouraging that work actually. No, you were maybe already then a more of a visionary, someone to want to make a difference. Not at that time in my life, not at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what are you dreaming of right now? I am, um, my, my dreams are, goes in several ways. Uh, privately and family wise, my dreams are that uh, God will bless us with uh, many days together as married as a, as a couple and 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 with our children and to enjoy that to get up in the morning pray how can I bear fruit today uh, to be filled with God's uh, joy peace and hope every day uh, for our church family my my dreams are that we will be able to become the church we intended, uh, Jesus intends us to be in society. And by, uh, by, as a result, as a fruit of that, that we will see churches growing, many more churches being planted and a new generation grow up in, in our church family. <clears throat> That's good. What did you want to become as a child? You know, I, I, I can't remember to have a dream of being a, uh, a policeman or anything like that. So I can't recall that I did have any other dreams. But when I went to high school or gymnasium, I I, I, I thought of being becoming a carpenter. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, <clears throat> it never happened. Okay, never happened. Why do you think? <laughs> well, um, I think that the. Uh, after you know, in 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 the gymnasium, I started to wonder a lot about life and uh, and how to spend my life. What is how should you focus in life, yeah. and what is most important? Yeah, that's good. And it's not that carpentry is not important, but for me, it meant to uh, to go into another direction. Yeah. And before we're going back to your background a little bit more, but I also heard from someone, a bird whispered in my ear that you once thought that SMS or text message was just a <laughs> passing thing. Can you explain this? <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
And I could probably name the colleagues who have told you that. But uh, we, we won't say any name today. No, not any names. But uh, yeah, I thought, you know, I'm a little conservative once in a while and quite slow, actually, in making the right decisions. Uh, and uh, when uh, text messages came on, on phone, I thought, this is, this is not going to survive. So I said, I, I'm not going to learn this. It's just, it's, it's going to pass. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, and, and it has almost passed today. Since now we have other things to ways to communicate. Yeah, but but this this was many years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So um, to learn a little bit more about you and and your story, I asked you before also to prepare like three stories or situations in your life that have shaped who you are today. And like, what were the turning points in those in those life moments? Uh, so yeah, let us hear them and share freely from that. Yeah, I thought I thought about if it should be meeting my wife, which I did in high school. Anna has no church background, uh, not a strong church background, and we met in high school. Went to school together for three years, uh, became friends, and then started dating at the very last uh, day of our high school. And of course, that is the most important thing that has happened to me besides coming to faith. But um, I, I, would, I would like today to share a few stories that is probably, if there's a theme in it, a th- red, uh, red line in it is, is that, uh, that we should make room for the calling of God. And... Um, when Anna and I, we, um, when we started dating, then uh, we later on got married. And, uh, and a year after, after getting married, we, we, we realized that Anna was pregnant, which wasn't, uh, it was much more prepared by God than us, <laughs> so to say. And uh, <clears throat> the first three months, we didn't even share this with anyone. And I was terrified because I was going to be a father at the age of 21. And I thought, I'm just not ready. I'm not prepared for that. I'm not mature enough. And I remember one of our friends has had invited Anne and I to join him in a small country village church, free church, uh, to listen to an, to an evangelist. And there we sat on the benches and he was he was preaching and sitting there i suddenly saw for my inner eyes a picture or a kind of movie I, 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 at this point i was very very stressed by the situation uh, and uh, and suddenly i saw jesus in front of me and from his uh, from his back he uh, brought to me a small child which was a son and he gave it to us as a gift. And at that very moment, I realized this was God meeting me right there in my worries and it totally changed my perspective that this boy was a gift from God uh, and he has been ever since. And after that meeting, um, we went into a private home. It was mostly just a few elderly people. I think there was about 15 elderly people in that room that evening. And the evangelist came with us and we had coffee and cake 
And it appeared to be quite a lively environment. There was a lot of us. I mean, some of the, some, an old woman was speaking in tongues and so, so loudly that even the evangelist asked her to shut up, basically. And then they started praying in this little intimate environment. And that was terrifying as well, because I was trying to sort out the God thing in my life. And I, I was wondering, pondering over a lot of things uh, and um, probably also being a bit disobedient uh, towards God with my life. And there we sat, Anna and I, and Anna wasn't used to this either. And we saw that everyone was prayed for and soon it was going to be our turn. And there was no way of escaping. And when it became our, uh, and then when it was us who was to be prayed for, this guy, this evangelist suddenly pointed towards me and he said to me directly in front of everybody, he said, Fleming, you have to be obedient. And uh, if you will be obedient, then you will, as the scripture has said, you will experience that rivers of living water will flow from you to many people. And that's basically, that, that was my calling to follow Jesus. I didn't know what it meant. I was angry. I was terrified. Uh, and by the way, at the end of this little, these few sentences, he said and prayed, I pray for you and your coming family. And nobody knew that Anna was pregnant. No, it couldn't be even be seen on her. So it was, it was very prophetic. And the days after that, I just, I went home. I was out of my mind. I was angry. I didn't want to. I remember I tried to throw away the Bible, but it ended up, yes, this is, this is God speaking to me. I need to be obedient. And uh, that was God's calling. So that's, that's one of the stories where I really made up my mind and gave, gave God space in my life and, uh, you know, made myself available for his calling. Mm. And then the second story is that from then on, I started thinking about how should I, how should I invest my life? Uh, how can I live a life that I will not regret in the long run? And uh, only the only thought that came to my mind was that if God exists, it will be worth, you know, everything to invest in knowing God more, basically. So I was thinking, should I study theology? And uh, I couldn't make up my mind. And I was actually thinking about that for more than two years. And the seminary uh, at uh, which I could apply to study theology, the assignment date was overdue. So I was already too late and still wondering after two years, should I do this? I, my dream was also to become a musician which I gave up eventually uh, and probably a good choice. <laughs> but then I remember I couldn't make up my mind. So in one night I was awake and I was just almost shouting to God saying, if you want me to go and study theology, you have to, you have to do something. You have to, I have to hear that our friend from high school, Anis and my friend, uh, uh, that she will finally accept Jesus as uh, her savior that she has come to faith and she has no background either. And three days later we were sitting on a cafe with her 
and she was confessing faith to Jesus. Wow. So I directly after that applied for the seminary. And uh, so it was direct calling. So, you know, I, I, and to me, it's afterwards been a help. This was your will for me to do so. Hmm. Uh, and again, it is, you know, there's something about making yourself available for God's calling. And if he actually speaks to you, that you also receive it and believe it. Because many of the things he would speak to you and I, uh, you, we can discharge it and say, well, it's just a thought. But we have to receive uh, uh, his uh, calling uh, with faith. Mm. What would you say to people that listen that might be in, in this situation or might you know, wonder a little bit where they should go, what they should do? I think that they should continue to ask. And, and I am absolutely convinced that Jesus will reveal how any one of us can be fruitful. And, and be, I would encourage everyone to be very open to actually to, to believe what he says to you. If, let me give you another story uh, that has been of you know, shaped many things in, in, in my life. When uh, after seminary, uh, my wife and I uh, went to a smaller village in uh, Yulan, the left part of Denmark. We, we participated in planting a church there and was there for seven years. And after being there for five years, I went to England to a conference and arrived to, uh, very early to the Vineyard uh, National Leaders Conference. So I um, went to see another church in London in the suburb of London, a Sunday night, went there alone, arrived too late, went in the door of a medium-sized church where the, you know everybody was prayed for. Ministry time, people were people had fell over, and and very very special meeting. And as soon as I entered the door, this guy comes up to me. He approached me and he said, "Can I pray for you?" Not knowing who I was or you know, what, what my in, in, intention was. But I said, very welcome. And he prayed for me. He prayed for half an hour. And uh, I recall that he prayed more or less the same prayer over and over again. He said in his prayer, Jesus gave him more passion for you. Hmm. And uh, while he was praying that prayer, I saw the hand, the crucified hand of Jesus. And I saw the blood streaming out of his wounds and uh, dripping on the four major cities in Denmark. Wow. And uh, at that very moment, you know, I realized that God has a calling for me here. This is God speaking to me. It only took, uh, you know, th this picture only took a few seconds, and I could easily dismiss it. And I said, wow, wonderful, and categorize it with other, you know, pictures or ideas or impressions with flowers and water and so on, you know, but, mm. but this, this stood out for me and I received it in, in, in faith. And two days later, I, I attended the conference and one morning uh, during the teaching, listening to Mike Bickle, uh, my thoughts went astray and suddenly I saw this track of Jesus' blood in a, in a major city. And in that very moment, I knew that God had called me and my wife and children to move from this, this small village we loved and the church we loved to go to Copenhagen to plant a vineyard church from the beginning. That 
picture only took three seconds. And it only took me three seconds to say yes. You know, when, when, uh, when I, when I thought about studying theology, I t- it took me almost three years to think about it and figure that out. Uh, when we went, when we received the calling to go to the first church, it took me three months to figure that out and say yes. This took me only three seconds. It was definitely, very clearly for me, God's inner voice within me, and uh, I, I really didn't like the idea. I must say, I didn't want to go. How, how was it that you could take that? Quick decision then, because I just it was had so this, clear. It was so clear to me. Yeah, uh, this this picture. It wasn't a it wasn't a a, a a a voice that I could hear with my ears. It was just so clear. But it was a picture of three thick seconds that changed my life in many ways. Yeah, I think for many people nowadays, I mean, and I think probably forever. But I mean, it's a hard decision to just you know leave something and go for it. I mean, it is a big step to leave everyone you know, things you know of, your comfort zone, uh, and, and do this. Like, what what are your learnings? I mean, through this through these stories and, and like moving to Copenhagen, planting a church that didn't exist in Denmark, or I mean, a church movement. How was that? I mean, what have you experienced since then? I would say that God's grace. His uh, overbearance with me and all my mistakes, my faults, and my incapacity in so many ways. Mm. I'm I'm not I'm not as uh, bright as such, but uh, in some way I've just made myself available. And uh, yeah, there's so many cho- choices we can do today. And once you choose something, you 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 um disqualify a lot of other opportunities in life. And I think there should be a willingness not to, you know, not, not to, uh, it was like Peter when he was called by the fishing net. He wasn't giving, he wasn't being given a job description, description or uh, clarifying expectation, what is going to happen. He just said, come and follow me. And he left everything and he went with him, not knowing what, what kind of a, an adventure he would step into. And I like that. If, jo- if Jesus calls you, that we are willing to give up, uh, yeah, just willing to give up whatever we need to give up in order to follow him. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, and then hold on in the long run to what he said. It took uh, this this vision and or calling to somehow be involved in planting four churches in you know planting churches in the major four cities in Denmark and I must say at the same time I didn't plant those churches it is brilliant highly loved colleagues and friends who did that but they came from Copenhagen Vineyard and and Copenhagen Vineyard has helped to facilitate and initiate it and all along during the last more than twenty years. I felt absolutely sure that we need to focus on church planning and we should hold on to that focus. So that dream, I never gave it up. I knew that it was God calling us. And when we went to Copenhagen, we weren't even too secure that we could even plant a church, but we did plant the church. And that church eventually grew leaders and, and trained leaders that went out and planted other churches. So, you know, if God has spoken to us, we need to hold on to it. Even though it take, what I've learned is that 
even though it takes 20 years, it's worth it. Mm. And why, why is church planting so close to you? I mean, why is it uh, you see that we need to plant so many churches? I don't, I do not think that planting churches are more important than growing existing churches as such. But, um, but I think that plant, planting churches uh, in, in new areas, reaching out for people in new areas. And I really hope for us, speaking of vision in the Nordic, that we would go to, uh, to the remote cities remote environments and and people and uh, plant churches there but it you know it, it most of the people who engage in a church plant will be it will be involved in being the church in their environment and and and, and in this way it's so like it's like spring it's very light green it's growing and it's risky it is fascinated fascinating it has You know, it's, uh, this has very much to do with one person to another person. So it's in some ways so authentic. It's it's like living a little on the edge. You have this dream, and you want to see this come true, and you don't know if it if it will come true and will bear fruit. But but you 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 know you invest yourself in a way that you expect it to happen. I think it's beautiful. It's exciting. It's scary, uh, but it's also beautiful. Yeah, and and I think as you say, it's so it's a good way of training new leaders. It's a good environment where people can grow, where people can take the next step, not yeah. being hindered in a, maybe a mega church kind of yeah. environment. Of course, you can have your your ways there as well to develop leaders and and pastors. But I mean, really going out and and step on the edge and do something new is really is really shaping you as a person and as a I mean, as a Christian, and and it also enables more people to find God. If we go to places where where He is not, I mean, I mean, He's present everywhere, but He's not present through people. And yeah, I think it's such a good description. Speaking of the Wiener Nordic movement, and I mean, you've been part of, of leading the movement for how many years now? Uh, since uh, 2015. Yeah. But uh, been involved in, in leadership in the Nordic for many years. I don't remember how many. To dig down a little bit more in, into the Wiener Nordic movement. And I mean, this podcast is also for us all and, and people outside, of course. But I mean, like, would you like to share like the vision and the dreams we we have had for the years past and also yeah we can start there for the for the vision and dreams well in 2015 we kind of started over again thinking what do you want us to do why are we doing this why are we a church family and uh, we 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 realized that we 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 are a um i think a wonderful little church family Uh, in a bigger church family and it's deeply rooted in our DNA that we want to share what we believe and we do so by planting and growing churches. We do so by uh, getting involved in society. The idea that you can't 
go to church because you are the church where you are in your neighborhood is very much on my heart. And also that we are to invest in the coming generation. And that's why it's, you know, it's so encouraging to see what happens with the youth in the Vineyard Nordic because they're going to lead us onwards and there's so much potential. But basically at that time in 2015, we, we defined a vision and uh, talked to the pastors in the Nordic about it. And uh, we called it the Vision 2020, which says that we want to plant churches. And we set uh, a goal that we wanted to plant 20 churches in five years, which did not happen. We did take the initiative to plant 11 churches and projects. So 11 and not uh, 20. And we want to grow, we want to grow healthy churches. We want churches to double in size in five years, some of them, uh, that we want to impact our communities and our world, and that, fourthly, we want to equip the next generation. So that's basically the vision of the Vineyard Nordic uh, described in few words. And what have we seen? You, you mentioned a little bit 11 church plants or projects, but what have we seen during this year so far? Yes, it's... Uh, it's not a secret that we have hoped to see much more. But um, I'm, you know, I'm joyful when I'm thinking of the many initiatives and new church plans within the next last six years that has happened. I think it's a refocus uh, after a few years uh, where we didn't plan so much in our Wiener family. So I think that's very encouraging. We've seen uh, also in, in, in other areas that uh, new initiative has been taken. We have seen the Vineyard Nordic worship uh, being established. And, you know, I think wonderful, brilliant worship songs has been produced the, the last years. As I said before, the Vineyard Nordic youth, uh, something uh, really happens there. It, it is, something is really growing and has a strong potential. Uh, the kids' work is growing. We The summer camp has been growing. Uh, almost every year, the last years, we have established leadership summit with a clear focus on developing leaders. We have hubs for leaders to be trained uh, in leading churches so existing churches can grow. We arrange uh, a little uh, school for a short weekend school for church planters and um, you know, it's just a wonderful church plant, uh, sorry, church family, wonderful leaders. You know, I really enjoy that very, very much. But um, I would say that uh, one of the bigger initiatives we have taken the last few years is, has been uh, strategically to bring the vision closer in the individual countries, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Denmark. We have tried to see how can we take even more ownership of the vision, which is about planting churches, growing churches, impact the communities and raise the next generation. And so we have uh, established what we call the national pedal, which uh, means that we by now have a national leader in every country. And they, again, are uh, establishing uh, leadership teams that are exploring what it means to carry out this vision we have. So we're still one ABC, we are one overall, and we benefit from all the giftings and the culture and the challenges and the stories we have, but we also uh, have a clearer national focus. 
And I think this is a, you know, this is a very, very important development and it's going to be a fruit in the future. I think it was very, very good that we made that decision. So right now we are exploring, but of course, by the pandemic situation has been delayed in terms of further developing things, but we, we are all part of, we, we all know that story. Mm, yeah, that's a story that you can't avoid if you're living in this time. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, I've been I've been part of of the vineyard now for I mean six no eight years I think, and I mean I've been part of the Nordic and and it's such um, I mean exciting to see all the things that's been happening for the last couple of years. I mean I've been part of the the youth and and we've seen many things happening there, and and I really see what. What I could sense, you know, the last summer camp we had before the pandemic was really like God did something special on. I mean, it was cool to see that God did so much things outside the main meetings. Like there was all these small groups of people having meetings and God just showed up and and wrecked everyone in a way. And I mean, it's so cool to see how God is just in, interrupt us in unexpected ways. And I think, and I dream to see more of that in the future in our movement. And uh, yeah, just as you say, like uh, we have grown with, with, with the kids and the youth, but also the worship community has been really coming back. And, and it's, it's really good to see. And what do you see like for the future of the Vineyard Nordic? What, what are you dreaming of? I, I hope that God will open our eyes to see that the harvest is ripe. I think that we need our perspectives to be changed. I think God wants to change our perspectives. We should think out of the box, out of the church. I'm so convinced that God wants to change our perspectives for us to see that he's already doing so much in people's lives all around us. And, uh, He's already there. The Holy Spirit is already at work. And uh, we have to step into serving people. And and when we talk about church family, who's the family? Well, when we get together in our local churches and at summer camps, it's just a little representation of the wider family of God. So basically, we have family members, members of God's family we don't know yet. We have never met them but God will send us to them. And uh, this this is so relieving in some way because sometimes we feel, no, I cannot do that. And, you know, we, we disqualify ourselves at the very beginning because it's so, this task is so enormous, but God is already working. The Holy Spirit is already working. And uh, and then we might think, well, I I, I can't just uh, prestere. It's, it's a matter of prestere. It's a matter of, doing things, and and I understand that. Uh, you have to invest and sacrifice some of your time to reach out to family family members you don't know yet. But it can't just be an activity. It's family. You know, it's not a burden. It's family. So we do it out of love. So um, I hope that God will lift our eyes and perspective in, in new ways in order to see that we are co-workers in what the Holy Spirit is already doing. And one, just one verse from uh, Isaiah 43 that means a lot to me these days. 43 verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and stream streams in the wastelands. And uh, I hope that this 
is what we will see in the Nordic countries. I, I think also what you mentioned there, really, you know, seeking our our neighbors, like reaching out to the people that are really close to us. I, I also know you have shared that with, with me before. And I think that's that was inspiring for me, like how you moved to the place you live now and with a heart to reach out and, and love the people there. Can you share a little bit about that? I mean, that's really a practical way of, of living out this. Yeah, basically, well, we, we just, we, we were in a situation where we wanted to turn the page. And so we moved out into a brand new neighborhood. And we thought to ourselves, this village is only, there's only a thousand people living in this village. And uh, we thought we're going to learn as many people as soon as possible, as fast as we can, and not just settle in for a couple of years, then get to know people. So by now we know a lot of people and we have seen, we have seen a few people come to faith and a few fantastic, what we believe is God healings. One from cancer, another one from a seven-month-old child that was going to be operated for hours. We prayed for the child and for family, and uh, it just went amazing. So, uh, you know, they're very grateful God did. So, yeah, we do again, but basically it's just, you know, nothing special, but also always just be prepared to point towards Jesus. People people come and present difficult situations, and uh, we we try to bring them the God perspective. Yeah, I think it's all about being available or put yourself in a position where you are available. Uh, Me me and Lina, I mean, we are in the same situation moving to a new neighborhood. And and I think also what what I've been dreaming of is to just make me available for my neighbors, like making time in my calendar to be available. I mean, it's a a matter of actually prioritize your activities uh, and being available to to show people that you are you are there to to love and to be there for them truly uh, that we really want to be there we are really you know interested in their lives and in their stories and in who they are and stuff like that and i think that's really what it's what it's all about and I, and i really like that way of you know thinking around church and and how to grow church it's it's all about you know the wider family that you have around you every day and how can you reach out there and and be the be the answer to their needs in a way um, now we're coming to the end of the talk, uh, but I also would like to end with some questions. And the first question is that if you were to design or write something on a billboard for the whole world to see, what would that be? Or what would you illustrate? A billboard for the whole world to see. What is your second question? <laughs> <laughs> a one liner uh, oh. or an illustration? A one-liner, yeah. I don't know. But I really wish for people to receive a hug from God, like Luke 15. The father comes and runs towards the son and hugs him. That's the father heart of God. It's it's uh, unconditional love. So maybe, uh, but whether that would be very smart to write on a billboard, I don't know. But that's what I wish for yeah, people to Yeah, so experience. maybe something to illustrate that. or Yeah, that's good. Um. Out of what we have been speaking about today, what do you hope and wish would challenge people in the coming time ahead? I believe that we have a season in before us where God will be speaking to individuals as well as us as a you know church family, as a vineyard church family. And I really hope that people will make themselves available for, make room for God's calling to happen. We have been very isolated for you know for more than a year now and when we get together 
to make room for God's calling, to make room for God's voice to speak. That's a hope in the time to come, in the coming season. And uh, I believe that out of that, we will see that many of us will be challenged to step into new adventures, to take risks. Some would step into leadership, maybe even give up the work we used to do in order to serve him with all of your time or a part of your time. And I hope that God and believe that God will call some to plant churches in new areas. So that is really what I hope for. And I would like to invest my life in seeing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Fleming, for being with us in this episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. And is there anything else you want to add before we end today? Um, it would only be that to all of you who are uh, listening to this from a younger generation, that you should know that we are cheering on you. And uh, it's, it's such a privilege and joy to see what God is doing in your hearts. And the, the potential is much stronger than I think you're aware of. Thank you so much and hope you will have a good day and evening after this talk and see you soon again, Fleming. Thank you so much, Jon. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to follow the Vina Nordic movement and everything that is happening, you can go to Facebook and Instagram and follow us under Vineyard Nordic. You can also help us by subscribing to this podcast on the different podcast platforms. When doing that, you will also get an update every time we have a new episode out. So again, thank you and see you again next time. Bye bye.